Welcome to this episode of the FCPA Compliance Report, where I go meta as I visit with Matt Ellis and Alejandra Almonte, the co-host of the only Spanish language and Portuguese language podcast in compliance that's produced in the United States, Ola Compliance. I know you'll enjoy this episode. The FCPA Compliance Report is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox back for another episode. And today I have with me Alejandra Almonte and Matt Ellis. And we're here to talk. They have many roles. That they're- this conference will now be recorded. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox back for another episode. And I'm thrilled today to have with me Alejandra Almonte and Matt Ellis. They are both members at Miller & Chevalier and practice in the white collar and anti-corruption areas. But what we're not here to talk about that today. We're here to talk about their roles as the co-host of Ola Compliance, the first Spanish language and Portuguese language podcast in the United States dedicated to anti-corruption compliance. So, uh, lady and gentlemen, welcome. Thank you, Tom. This is great to be here with you. Yes, indeed. Thank you. Thank you so much. So I've known Matt, uh, Alejandro, I've known Matt a little bit longer than I've known you. And the first time I met him, I really encouraged him to focus his practice on uh, Latin America. And he did that to great success. And you are part of the Miller team uh, and that success as well. But the it seemed to me and what I tried to convey to both of you all was that OLA compliance was a logical extension of your legal practice. So if that is right or wrong, I really wanted to use that as an introduction to why did you start this podcast? Well, I, well, I go, go, go sorry, Alejandro. No, please, you go ahead. Um, well, just you know, thinking um, back ten years—that was ten years ago, Tom, when we met in a Starbucks in Houston on uh, I think it was Westheimer, and you encouraged me at the time to start the blog. Um, which which I did, you know, now fast forward 10 years and you have harnessed this new medium of podcast um, to really get uh, out there to the public all of the many important dimensions of compliance. And, you know, the work that Alejandra and I have been doing at Miller and Chevalier in compliance, uh, we thought we would seek to harness harness uh, that medium as well. And I guess I go back to the Latin America Corruption Survey that our firm conducted last year in partnership with 13 other law firms throughout the region. And a number of interesting things came out of that, but two in particular, I think are relevant for this podcast. First, more countries in the region are displaying mature compliance environments, right? Where companies are adopting programs and business people on the ground are more familiar with compliance concepts. And second, companies themselves in the region are displaying more nuanced compliance programs. So we're no longer in the arena of having a template policy, right? Um, And perhaps a training every now and then. We're in the world now of, you know, uh, nuanced diligence on third parties, uh, more resources, larger compliance teams, auditing, testing. So given that, um, we thought, that this was a perfect time to share with the region in its languages, our experiences. Alejandra, uh, why do you believe, or why have you found rather, 
that the podcast format format resonates uh, in Latin America to the extent that it has so far? I think it, in large part, it's why the podcast world really has exploded, as you very well know, Tom, um, in recent uh, history. In large part, it's digestible. It's small. You can listen to it while you're driving. Now that we're in the middle of a pandemic, we see more and more people turning to a podcast as they try to get outside, go on a walk. We try to keep our podcast to 20, 30 minutes for that reason, to really just hit the highlights in both of the areas that Matt has explained, right? One is just the greater awareness of enforcement issues focused on the region and also to give voice to compliance trends. And I think the latter is really critical for our audience because as we We've become disconnected. And it's not a surprise, Tom, that we launched this during the pandemic. It's something we've been talking about for a long time. But we did find a critical need as we were all not interfacing, not interacting, to give voice to what we were seeing and continue to see evolve in Latin America on compliance trends so the compliance officers don't lose that um, benchmarking opportunity that you often have when you are able to travel, when you're able to go to conferences and speak to colleagues. So I, I think, you know, that the, the focus on the region, the emphasis on developments that have not stopped in the region, and then the practical aspect of the compliance trends together bundled in these short nuggets really is what, had, what has made it stick. Let me pick up on something Matt said, because it mirrors my experience. Uh, sort of five or six years ago on my first trip to uh, Buenos Aires, not Buenos Aires, to uh, Sao Paulo, uh, I would have said that the Brazilian compliance community was maybe five years behind the United States compliance community. On my last trip, immediately before the pandemic hit, I would have said the U.S. was 1A and Brazil was 1B. There had been a huge amount of development in the Brazilian compliance community for from Brazilian compliance practitioners. is uh, First of all, I want to ask you, Alejandro, do you find that evolution to be your experience as well? And number two, is the information you're able to put out through the podcast much more than simply a, a kind of a summary, and you're able to, to really provide either deep dives into topics or really some uh, 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 technical advice that perhaps five years ago you wouldn't have needed to provide in Latin America? Oh, my goodness, Tom. Absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, the the abundance of information that has come that's coming out of Latin America and the abundance of the evolution, the, the strides that the region is making outside of Brazil across from Mexico down to the southern cone really does give us a lot of material to dive deeply, not just in subject matters, but even on evolutions that we're seeing in particular countries. Of course, part of that stems from the information that we get from the anti-corruption survey. But just because there is a lot to report, in fact, just yesterday we held a webinar with representatives from Guatemala, Costa Rica, El Salvador, and Honduras, because there's a richness and a depth of uh, anti-corruption understanding, awareness, and compliance evolution. So I, I do want very much agree, Tom, with that um, with that characteristic of seeing huge strides in, in Latin America. And maybe I can add to that point as well. Um, you know, what is lost, I think, on English-only speakers is that there's a theme, a wave theme to our po podcast. It's called Ola Compliance, which means, you know, hello, compliance, but Ola also means wave in Spanish. So we talk a lot about the wave of compliance that's hitting the region, but we also talk uh, at the end of every podcast episode, there's a segment called 
contra la corriente, against the current. And this goes to this point that, Tom, you're talking about and that Alejandra has explained. More mature compliance actors in the region who are now experiencing things, you know, the struggles, the challenges that compliance officers face in their work. I mean, Alejandra was in-house for, what was it, six years mm -hmm. working with the region. So she speaks from the heart. She speaks from personal experience. I speak as the external, you know, who advises compliance officers on those challenges. And so what we try to do is, again, tap into that camaraderie, tap into the fact that we all feel disconnected now given, given COVID, but here's a medium that allows us not only to feel connected, but to speak in a sincere, personal, direct, and relevant way on the challenges that those compliance officers are facing. Uh, as you both know, I've been doing podcasting uh, for multiple years. Uh, and when I started, I thought, well, this is going to be simple. I'll just sit in front of a microphone and talk. A little <laughs> more nuanced than that. And that's led to several surprises for me. But I wanted to ask both of you, what are some of uh, maybe the top two or three surprises for each one of you uh, doing podcasts? I, I can provide one, Matt. I think... Um it's how natural it feels, to be honest. I mean, I think, you know, I felt like it was going to be scripted and we were going to struggle really to come up with a format and material and to keep it natural. But honestly, I look forward to having a session with my friend and colleague, Matt, every other week where we get to talk about issues that, that we're passionate about. I think another surprise, frankly, for me has been just, and this goes to your last point too, Tom, just how much material we really do have to talk about. You know, we'll wrap up an episode and we'll start talking about come next. And I will tell you every other time before every other recording, we're emailing, chatting, calling each other. We need to pivot and talk about this other piece that we just saw or this other development in Latin America. So it's almost, you know, the, the cadence works very well but we've had to to table some material because things are evolving pretty quickly, even even during the pandemic. So I, th I would say those are my top two. Matt, what, what about you? I think what I'd add is, you know, doing this and all the preparation that goes into it um, has really kind of ignited my own interest in other podcasts. Mm -hmm. So really following everything, Tom, that you're doing um, uh, with your network um, really digging into other podcasts. I mean, I want to call out the FTI's, you know, Fraud Eats Strategy podcast, which I love. It's caused me to kind of delve into this realm that I had not yet um, really explored. This is not, uh, first of all, uh, before I get uh, to the Portuguese question, um, Matt, you, you, I know you speak extensively in Mexico. I don't want to leave Mexico uh, out of your audience space. So I wanted to ask you both, uh, do you have a sense of the reception in Mexico because the challenges of the Mexico compliance practitioners, I think, uh, are, are many, yet they're equally as passionate as their colleagues in Latin America, at least from my experience? Yeah, I mean, you know, the Mexico compliance environment is booming, not because of encouragement of local authorities, but in spite of and perhaps as a result of the real crisis situation companies are beginning to face in in Mexico, unfortunately. Um, and I think that embracing of compliance is a reaction to the uncertainties, the insecurity that many companies feel in an environment that is really, um, you know, going in an, uh, an unfortunate direction. So that's how I would describe the 
kind of the nature of, of the compliance uh, environment right now in Mexico. Tom, if I, if I can uh, add this to is this. not, I'm sorry. Oh, no, no, I'm sorry. I Go was ahead. just going to add, add one comment to Matt's and it might also fall straddle that the surprise question, but the, the podcast seems to be getting reception, not just in Mexico and the rest of Latin America, but we've also gotten outreach from contacts and friends in Europe. And across the globe who have responsibilities for global companies focused on the Latin American region. That's been wonderful to see because you're tailoring it for one very specific, but you realize there are folks who have invested interests um, outside of the land of Latin America. You know, that's a, that's a great insight. And I would have actually added that as a surprise. Mm -hmm. But now that you say that, it makes perfect sense because if you're a global company headquartered in, uh, Western Europe, uh, North Africa, the Middle East, or even Asia Pacific, you have Latin American operations. And uh, certainly some of the fallout from the Petrobras scandal uh, touched companies far outside the United States. So uh, that makes absolute sense. And we need to figure out a way to, to get more uh, uh, to and with those people. But um, this is not simply a Spanish language podcast. This is also in Portuguese. And so I have several questions around your your interview of Judge Morrow in Portuguese. So first of all, I'd like you to, to talk, Matt, uh, about the, the Portuguese aspect of your audience. But then I'd like to turn to Judge Morrow, because only once or twice have I interviewed someone who was a true hero to me. And I worried that um, my interview would reflect hero worship. And... Um, so I had to prepare very diligently and, and put a script in front of myself so that I followed the script. But how do you both deal with someone that we all look up to and really, I think, has been one of the world leaders in the uh, anti-corruption movement? So why don't you tell us about that experience from both of your perspectives? Before we get to that question, we're going to take a short break and then we'll be right back. Well, you know, on the point of, you know, why include Portuguese, Brazil is vital, right? It's vital. Not only is it the largest economy in Latin America, but it's the largest, largest economy by a factor of two. Um, so, you know, although Alejandro and I do focus the majority of episodes in Spanish, we will pepper in Portuguese to make sure Brazil relevant issues are handled appropriately and that we, you know, are, speak to a, a significant and important audience. I had the same reaction with Judge Morrow. I mean, imagine the courage that it took to do what he did. Um, from, you know, spearheading Lava Jato to resigning as Justice Minister. I mean, an amazing thing. And so, but what struck me coming out of that discussion, our podcast episode, we would encourage people to go to our website and and listen to it uh, was his optimism. You know, there's so much pessimism right now, given the backlash to all of the enforcement that took place pursuant to Lava Jato, um, you know, now with the dismantling of the, the task force, the other backtracking in Brazil, the emergence of, you know, a business community or, you know, a select group of leaders who do not have an interest in uh, advocating for compliance. 
you know, all of this bad news and you put that in a larger region that is really, I mean, the outlook is bleak to have someone with his experience, his background say, I think, you know, this is things have slowed, but they're the, the, the infra, the basics are still in place. The um, infrastructure, uh, the international um, uh, mechanisms are still in place, which means that the anti-corruption wave that Alejandra and I discuss every two weeks, uh, he predicts will continue. From my perspective, Tom, it was just really thrilling. I, I don't speak Portuguese, so I didn't have the, the privilege of participating in that podcast. Greg Bates, who you know as well, is, is one of our colleagues and also has deep experience in Brazil and in the region generally, accompanied Mike, uh, uh, Matt on that. But frankly, just to, to see it happen, to witness something that grand, I think you know Matt and I probably wouldn't have dreamed up that we would be able to have a guest of that stature on, on Ola Compliance when we first started. And it fills me with optimism of what, you know, who else we might see on future podcasts. So I have one observation I want to ask you about that podcast, Matt, because I watched it. Uh, <clears throat> I would say I listened to it, but since I couldn't understand it, that part perhaps was not important. But it seemed that your voice changed and you talk differently. You have a different voice in Portuguese as opposed to Spanish. I would say it was louder, perhaps more forceful. I find your Spanish, uh, I don't want to say it's not forceful, but it um, seems to me more constrained, uh, perhaps the Latin nature of Spanish. Uh, did any of those comments resonate? It just struck me that you sounded different in Portuguese than you do in Spanish. Well, that might be a reflection of the following. You know, after I graduated college, I moved to Argentina. I was in Argentina for three years. I met a lot of uh, people down there. One woman who was from India and had spent all this time in Brazil and had moved down to Argentina. She was talking to me. She said, you have to go to Brazil. You have to go to Brazil and experience the worldview, the outlook, the nature of the Brazilian people. Not necessarily adopt it, but know it's out there. You know, this idea that despite so many obstacles and struggles from, you know, lack of education opportunities to gross inequalities. The Brazilian people maintain this alegria, this happiness, um, this spirit. Uh, and, you know, I think that's probably what you're seeing. I feel that when I'm in Brazil, I feel it when I'm speaking Portuguese. And maybe I should try to tone that down a bit to be more <laughs> professional, but that's probably what, you know, you're, you're detecting. You know, when you just gave that description, the image that popped in my mind was Pele. Oh, and perhaps he's a exactly. personification of that spirit. I think um, you're right. I wanted to ask you both, uh, what's the future of Ola Compliance? Oh, I think it's, I think it's an exciting future, Alejandra. Tom. Yes, no, thank you. Um, I, I do think it's an exciting feature. I see us continuing to grow, um, continuing with podcasts. The, the nature and scope of it, I don't see changing, but I think you'll see more more guests from the region. Not maybe not to the statue of, uh, statue, stature of Moro, but um, certainly practitioners, both private and um, in in house, to come and share personal and professional experiences of what they're seeing. I think with the you know latest announcements coming out of the U.S. with the increased focus from the Biden administration on Latin America, we're going to have a lot of material 
we expect both from the U.S. side and from the Latin America side on enforcement trends, and hopefully, because we remain highly optimistic, on increasing compliance trends in the region as well. So I think we have a lot of material left to cover. This is only the beginning, and uh, we're really looking forward to that. Agreed. Agreed. And I think we're going to be exploring kind of the non-traditional areas of compliance as well, being able to hopefully educate, feed that information to the region. Two examples. First, you know, the Inter-American Development Bank just last month published its new report on its sanction system. Um, and it's uh, it has a wealth of information that's relevant to the region. It's not something that a lot of people have been talking about. You know, the compliance uh, expectations of the multilateral development bank community are different uh, from those of the DOJ SEC go down the line. That's one thing we might explore. You know, as you know, control risk and the American Society recently uh, produced an, uh, another interesting report on the ability of local democracies to fight corruption. That's something that can be explored, as Alejandro says, through interviews. There are a lot of directions to go, which we intend to do. So I'm going to end by asking you both uh, where listeners can find OLA compliance. But in addition to giving that information in English, uh, Alejandro, could you give that information in Spanish? And Matt, could you give that information in Portuguese uh, as well? So Alejandro, if listeners wanted more information on OLA compliance, where could they go? Claro que sí. Gracias, Tom. Nos pueden encontrar en Apple Podcasts, en Spotify y a través de cualquier otra plataforma en la que puedan, en lo que eh, utilicen para bajar sus podcasts. Y también añado que si nos quieren ver en video, hay un canal en YouTube donde también nos pueden encontrar. Cierto. Y, y para, nuestros, para nuestros amigos de Brasil, uh, es, posible, es posible pegar un podcast y in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, qualquer, uh, uh, qualquer lugar que você está procurando seus podcasts, in esse lugar vai pegar o podcast Ola Compliance também. And I'm going to add in English that you can find Ola Compliance on the Miller & Chevalier site, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and of course, on the Compliance Podcast Network. Alejandra and Matt, this has been a ton of fun. I've really enjoyed your podcast. I really appreciate you bringing the Spanish and Portuguese language to uh, the podcast world and compliance. I think it's a huge addition. And frankly, I can't wait to see where you guys take this. So thanks. Thank you, Tom. Thank you so much. Thank you, Tom. And thank you for everything you're doing with the, with the network. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox again. I'd like to thank you for listening to this episode of the FCPA Compliance Report, a production of the Compliance Podcast Network. We have a great new show on the Compliance Podcast Network called Mo Forecast, which is a podcast of the law firm of Morrison & Forrester, hosted by James Kukios. Check that out on the Compliance Podcast Network. Also, we have a new podcast, Survive and Thrive, where with my co-host, Courtney Nordrum, we take a look at compliance disasters, some of the lessons learned and red flags missed, plus what you can do to avoid them going forward. I know you'll enjoy this great new series, Survive and Thrive, which posts every other Tuesday on the Compliance Podcast Network. Thanks so much for listening, and I look forward to visiting with you again next week.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.